You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-year-plus partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Originally, we were just looking at Telegram like everyone else. We were bored and looking through it, and we started seeing a lot of channels crop up that were focused on selling replicas of high-end luxury goods. And this gave us the question of what other stuff is out there? That's Daniel Katz. He's a senior principal research engineer at Norton LifeLock. The research we're discussing today is titled Encrypted Chat Apps Doubling as Illegal Marketplaces. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Describe to, to folks who may not be intimately familiar with Telegram, who might not be daily users, and I'll admit I put myself in that category, um, how, is, how are things uh, sort of uh, organized within Telegram that, that these things would bubble up to the surface and be viewable by people? Exactly. So when you think of Telegram, you may be thinking, oh, you maybe use iMessage or WhatsApp or Signal which are kind of peer-to-peer encrypted chat apps. Hmm. But Telegram is this much richer ecosystem that you have to think of as a combination of that and then something kind of close to Twitter, like a social network. So Hmm. it has these channels which are publicly viewable that are about a given topic. Now, they're not so easy to find a lot of the time, but... If you know what you're looking for, or if you're given a link to the channel, you can join it and the channel will allow people to post about a specific topic, like, for example, 
politics or let's say protests that are being organized in some countries, a lot of the time Telegram is being used for quite legitimate and good purposes, just people being people on the internet. But occasionally you have some Telegram channels being devoted to, uh, for example, counterfeit luxury goods. Hmm. Well, um, let's go through some of the things that that you all found here. And and you just mentioned counterfeit goods. What's going on with that? So we found a few things. Uh, We found people selling uh, what we might call replica or counterfeit luxury goods for heavily discounted prices. So, for example, you can buy a Montclair jacket, which might be $1,000 for $200. But, of course, it's not a real Montclair jacket. Uh, and you can buy counterfeit watches, you can buy counterfeit sweaters, uh, but we also found a number of other things. What other things did you discover? So we found some personal information for sale. So you can imagine the sort of thing, SIN numbers, addresses, dates of birth, uh, email addresses, that kind of thing. These come from data breaches a lot of the time. And we found stolen credit cards for sale. We found some people who are offering services like making fake IDs uh, and even people offering to launch uh, distributed denial of service attacks for a fee. Now, you also found some items that were related to COVID-19. That's right. We also found uh, some people in the early days of the pandemic, especially when vaccines were a little bit harder to get. We found people selling a variety of COVID-19 vaccines. So these were marketed towards people in the U.S., but also China, India, Malaysia, Russia, uh, who were maybe looking for, let's say, a Pfizer vaccine uh, when it was really tough to get. Now, one of the things that that, that caught my attention here in your research was uh, folks who were selling fake documents, you know, things like passports, personal information, those sorts of things. Yeah, this is one of the things that One powerful aspect of Telegram is that they actually enable bots and these bots can do a number of very powerful things like enable escrow services. So you can you can use these bots uh, in order to basically create an entire e-commerce store, including services and reviews. So you can start selling your illegal passports or your counterfeit documents, and then other people, when they get their passport, they can review you five stars, say, great illegal document, would buy again, and pay you anonymously in cryptocurrency. And this is not really something that you can get on the other other chat applications. Now, because of the way Telegram is structured, you know, as, as it is built to be secured, does that mean that the folks who run Telegram themselves, do they? is it harder for them to have a view on this activity? It is harder. Uh, it all depends on how they look at, at the activity, right? So what we started out by looking at publicly available channels. So you don't need to break any kind of encryption. You can just join it. And then you can look through the posts as a member. And in that case, it's not very hard for Telegram to be able to discover these posts. In some other cases, we actually join some private groups by social engineering our way in. 
And in that case, you can't expect Telegram to be able to do that because, of course, it's end-to-end encrypted, and so only the people in the groups are supposed to be able to see the messages. Can you walk us through that process? I mean, what's it like to social engineer your way into one of these groups? So what you, what you do is you start interacting with a vendor or with a, uh, a third party in one of these channels, and they can send you a, an individual message that invites you to these groups. So the more cautious vendors will screen people just to make sure that they're not well doing exactly the sort of thing that we were doing, which is reporting on them rather than trying to make a legitimate purchase. Hmm. Now, another thing that you found is uh, you could buy services online at things like botnets. Exactly. So Telegram allows you to buy services online like botnets like distributed denial of service and you can rent them for however long you want for an hourly fee for a a fee that goes by minute and again you can rate them five stars through that storefront mechanism uh, through the bots that I mentioned that uh, people can program and that are widely available online that you you can create an entire storefront in Telegram to enable you to do this so you can even find what are the most reputable uh, botnets for my purposes in terms of who, ha- who actually delivers the botnet versus who just steals your money? Yeah, that, that aspect of it I find fascinating, that there's this sort of uh, reputational management built in. And I suppose, I mean, the, the platform is, is built to have this functionality for people doing legitimate businesses, and so the, the bad guys are just taking advantage of that? Exactly. So, and it's much more risky for the bad guys. I mean, if you think about it, let's say you go to a store and you buy a, a t-shirt and you pay for it, but then the t-shirt doesn't, doesn't come. And by store, I mean online store. So mm. what, what do you do as a law-abiding citizen? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll leave a bad review. I'll call my credit card company and cancel the order. And, and you can bet I'll let all my friends and family know. Exactly. So you have all these avenues open to you for recourse. Now, if you're trying to commit a crime and you're trying to rent a botnet, let's say, you're not going to go to your credit card company and say, well, I purchased this botnet, but actually uh, they just stole all my money, right? <laughs> right. So, so you need a more robust ecosystem. There has to be some kind of trust mechanism. It's a very tricky, tricky thing to enable. Uh, but in Telegram, they do have these uh, very sophisticated bots that people can program for all sorts of purposes, and this is one of them. So one of the things that you can do is you can have an escrow, which uh, you pay money into the escrow, and then the service is uh, the service is rendered, and then the money from the escrow will go to the service provider. But if no service is rendered, then the money will just stay with the escrow. And there are even support channels and mechanisms for disputes. So this is a quite sophisticated functioning business operation. Is there reputational uh, management for the buyers as well? In other words, can the, can the sellers tell if you're coming to try to buy something? Do you have any sort of uh, reputational score yourself? You know, we haven't seen anything like that. But this is the sort of thing that we might expect to see. Like in, if you remember, Silk Road, where people used, used to buy drugs and other sorts of illegal commodities online, 
there was there were some implementations that had had these kinds of reputations for the buyers as well as the sellers because there's risk on both sides. We haven't seen it on Telegram, but it's still an evolving market. So as we see Telegram kind of pick up the the semi-legitimate traffic or illegitimate traffic, we might expect to see even more sophisticated tools roll out. What is your your sense in terms of Telegram's response to this sort of thing? Does it does it seem as though they're making a good faith effort to get it off the platform? Or are they are they turning a blind eye? Do you have any insights into that? My feeling is that Telegram doesn't want to think about the malicious uses to which people can put their platform. Hmm. I don't know if blind eyes are exactly the right word, but we certainly found this and we didn't work particularly hard to find the most egregious offenses. So I would say that they could definitely be doing better in order, in order to police the, the platform. But of course, it's a very different problem from the way that Twitter and Facebook can approach these challenges. Right, right. I mean, is this the the old, uh, I don't know, sort of famous game of whack-a-mole where, you know, if an account is shut down, it's easy for them to spin it up under a different name? A hundred percent. And also part of Telegram's charm is it's meant to be uh, used by dissidents and journalists and people who the government doesn't like to provide anonymity and be able to jump off and on the platform. And so that definitely plays into uh, these problems. Mm. But, but there are definitely some things that, that Telegram could probably do that wouldn't be too hard, that would make it significantly harder to set up these kinds of businesses. What should should normal users' concern be here? If if you are someone who's using Telegram and it's a regular or one of the regular networks that you take part in, are, are there any things that you need to be on the lookout on to just to to make sure that you're you know operating in a safe way on the platform? Well, I would guess that most users probably would know if they're on Telegram whether the offers that they're seeing in various channels are maybe a little bit too good to be true Mm. uh, in terms of luxury counterfeit goods. But I think the real takeaway for most everyday people would be just the ubiquity of information being sold on Telegram. So it was really startling to, to us that we saw SIN numbers, we saw stolen credit card information, we saw addresses, and it really just reinforced for us how easy it is to commit fraud online. So I feel like if there's one takeaway, it's probably that just be careful what you put online because one data breach and it's out there and then it's on Telegram and then anyone can buy it in order to use that information to commit fraud or do something else nefarious with it. Yeah, yeah. Once it's out there, it's out there. Exactly. Exactly. And so you can imagine this, the, the, the sorts of things. Uh, and there's a big market on Telegram for being able to impersonate people, uh, to, to commit tax fraud, commit uh, other types of fraud. Uh, so you really have to watch out to try to minimize your, your online footprint, especially if you're buying from maybe a vendor that you're not familiar with, because 
you don't know what their security is like. And so down the line, one, two, three years later, if they have a data breach, they might be keeping all that information, which is then then out there forever. And I suppose, it, I mean, it's important to emphasize that, as you mentioned, there are plenty of legitimate uses for Telegram. because Just because these things are happening on the platform, and certainly we want to look out for them, but that doesn't mean that it's, you know, not, not worth the effort or, you know, something that you should delete from your mobile device. Exactly, exactly. Telegram is great. Honestly, I use it. My friends use it. It's a, it's a wonderful app. And I think... In some ways, this is a testament to how powerful Telegram is, that it has all these features which the bad guys are abusing. But at the same time, it speaks to this really full, powerful ecosystem that can enable you to do uh, these wonderful things. Like you can create games inside Telegram. Uh, You can create bots to do all sorts of things, uh, all sorts of useful things. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't delete Telegram. That's definitely not the takeaway from uh, from my research. <laughs> Fair enough. It seems like everywhere we look, bad actors are adopting new technologies a lot faster than legitimate actors. And so, if we want to see what the future is going to look like three years, five years down the line, just look at what the bad guys are doing today. So. I think as we look at these illegal marketplaces on Telegram, it can really paint a story of what is e-commerce going to look like three to five years from now. Maybe we will be buying things on on chat apps, completely legitimate things uh, through these kinds of bought storefronts that will be extremely convenient. Thanks to Daniel Katz from Norton LifeLock for joining us. The research is titled Encrypted Chat Apps Doubling as Illegal Marketplaces. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.